Chapter 19 of Theodore Savage, A Story of the Past or the Future. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Mazzacci. Theodore Savage, A Story of the Past or the Future by Cicely Hamilton. Chapter 19. The actual and formal ceremony of his acceptance into the little community took place after night had fallen, deferred to that hour in part because with nightfall the day's labor ceased and the fishermen and snarers of birds had returned to their dwelling place, and in part because darkness, lit only by the glow of torches and wood fires, lent an added solemnity to the rite. Earlier in the day the new tribesmen had been summoned to a second interview with the headman, the old man questioned him shrewdly enough as to his road, the nature of his winter food store, and the feasibility of transporting it, and it was settled finally that Theodore should depart with the morning accompanied by another from the tribe. The pair could row and tow up the river a flat-bottomed boat which was one of the community's possessions, and as his own camp was only a few hours' tramp from navigable water, he and his companion should be able, with a day or two, to make three or four journeys from camp to riverside and load the boat with as much as it would carry of his hoard. If the weather favored, if snow held off and storm, they might return within five or six days. His instructions received, he was dismissed and bidden, since he would need a hut for himself and his wife, to set about its building at once. A site was allotted him on the edge of the copse that was the center of the tribal life, and he was granted the use of some of the tools that were common property, an axe, a mallet, and a spade. By the time the sun set, his dwelling had made some progress. Stakes had been driven in to serve as corner posts, and logs laid from one to the other. With dusk by twos and threes, the men had drifted back to the village, and the women were busied with the cooking of supper at fires that blazed in the open so long as the weather was dry as well as at the mud-built ovens that sheltered a flame from the wind. When they kept their men waiting for the plates and bowls of food, there was impatient shouting and now and then a blow. Theodore, as he ate his supper, noted suddenly that though one or two of the women carried babies, the camp contained no child that was older than the crawling stage, no child that survived the disaster. The night was rainless, and when the meal was over, the men, for the most part, lay or crouched near their fires, some torpid, some talking with their women, but they roused and stood upright when the ceremony began, and the headman, calling for silence, beckoned with a dirty claw to Theodore. Here, said Theodore, and went to him. The old man was seated on the trunk of a fallen tree. He waited till the tribesmen, one and all, had ranged themselves on either hand, and then signed to Theodore to kneel. Give me both your hands, he ordered, and held them between his own. As in days long past, so Theodore remembered. The overlord, the suzerain, had taken the hands of his vassal. Did he remember this latter-day barbarian, the ritual of chivalry, the feudal customs of Capet, Hohenstaufen, and Planchenet, or was his imitation of their lordly right unconscious? So that you may live and be one of us, the old man began, you will swear two things, to be true to your fellows and humble and meek towards God. 
Before God and before all of us, you will take your oath. And if you break it, may you die the death of the wicked and may fire consume you to eternity. The words were intoned and not spoken for the first time. The ritual of the ceremony was established, and at definite points and intervals, the bystanders broke in with a mutter of approval or warning, already traditional. First, you will swear till death takes you to be our man against all perils and enemies. I will be your man till death takes me, swore Theodore, against all perils and enemies. You are witness, said the headman, looking round, and was answered by a murmur from the listeners. The women did not join in it. They had, it seemed, no right of vote or assent, but they had drawn near every one of them and were peering at the ceremony from beyond the shoulders of their men. And now, came the order, you will take the oath to God to purify your heart and renounce devil's knowledge for yourself and for those who come after you. Swear it after me, word by holy word, and swear it with your heart as with your lips. And word by word, and line by line, Theodore repeated the formula that cut him off from the world of his youth and the heritage of all the ages. It was a rhythmical formula, its phrasing often biblical. Instinctively, the prophet, when he framed his new ritual, had followed the music of the old. Written pages and the stonework of churches might perish, but the word that was spoken endured. I do swear and take oath before God and before man, that I will walk humbly all my days and put from me the pride of the intellect, remembering that the meek shall inherit the earth and that the poor in spirit are acceptable in the sight of the Most High. Therefore, I do swear and take oath that I will purify my heart of that which is forbidden, that I will renounce and drive out all memory of the learning which is not meant for me, who am sinful man, to know. What I know and remember of that which is forbidden shall be dead to me as if it had never been born. May my hands be struck off before I set them to the making of that which is forbidden, and may blindness smite me if I seek to pry into the hidden mysteries of God, into the secrets of the earth, into the secrets of the air, the secrets of water or fire. For the Lord our God is a jealous God, and the secrets of earth, air, Water and fire are sacred to him who made them and must not be revealed to sinners. Therefore, I pray that my tongue may rot in my mouth before I speak one word that shall kindle the desire of others for that which must not be revealed. I call upon the Lord Most High, who made heaven and earth and all that in them is, to hear this oath that I have sworn. And in the day that I am false to it, I call on him to blast me with his utmost wrath. And I call upon my fellow men to hear this oath that I have sworn. May they shed my blood without mercy in the day that I am false to it by thought, word, or deed. In the day that I am false to it, may they visit my sin on my head, as I will visit their sin on man, woman, or child, who in my sight or in my hearing shall hanker after that which is forbidden. For so only shall we cleanse and purify our hearts, so only shall we live without devil's knowledge and bring up our children without it, that the land may have peace in our days and that the wrath of the Most High may be averted from us. So help me, God. Amen. Amen, came back in a chorus from the shadowy group on either hand, and when the echo of their voices had died in the night, 
the headman loosed Theodore's hands. He rose and looked round him on the faces that were near enough to see, searched them in the firelight for regret or a memory of the past, and beyond and behind the ring of stolid, expressionless faces and the desert silence saw Markham toasting the centuries, heard the moving thunder of a multitude and the prayer of the Westminster bells. Lord, through this hour, the old man stretched out a hand in token of comradeship admitted, and Theodore took it mechanically. End of chapter 19, recording by Jennifer Mazzacci.